Today on CityCast Chicago, all nine candidates for mayor are scheduled to meet tomorrow for the first televised debate. We got a little taste of what that might look like over the weekend after most of all of them faced off in forums. Chicago Tribune politics reporter A.D. Quigg is covering the mayoral race and she's here to tell us what's happened so far and what to expect. It's Wednesday, January 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran and this is CityCast Chicago. Hey, before we get started, I want you to know, 1983, that's the record turnout year here in Chicago. You're not going to catch me off my square today with your out-of-nowhere quiz questions. I knew you'd know. Hey. AD, as always, it's great to have you in the building. Great to be here. Eight of the nine candidates met on Saturday, and all nine were on stage together Sunday. Before we move on, we got to go over the slate of candidates so listeners know who we're talking about. Uh, we got State Representative Cam Buckner, who represents the 26th District. We've got Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia. Uh, we've got local organizer J. Maul Green, who's the youngest in the field. We've got Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Alderperson Sophia King, of course, the incumbent Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Alderperson Roderick Sawyer, former CPS head Paul Vallis, and businessman and uh, perpetual candidate Willie Wilson. Those are all nine people uh, who, as of now, will be on the February ballot. Uh, Saturday was a Chicago Women's Forum where issues such as reproductive rights came up. Uh, were there any notable remarks by any of the candidates who, let's be honest, are appealing for votes in a city and state that largely supports those rights? So not a ton of surprises, but there was a notable flare up is, I guess, the best way I'll I'll char- characterize it. Some little verbal punches. Yeah. Uh, one line of attack that a lot of us reporters seized on was a back and forth with the mayor and Paul Vallis. Lightfoot came after him for not putting out a statement immediately following the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs. All of us were doing everything that we could except for Paul Vallis, who's been silent on this for seven months until today at this forum. Shame on you, Paul, for not talking Thank about you, women's Mayor. rights Thank until you, today. Vallis had put out a plan basically right before the forum saying he'd make sure maternal health care centers are protected, incentivizing reproductive health providers to work in the city, improving training for first responders who are basically caring for women traveling to seek access to abortion. Um, and he basically said, I've always been pro-choice in his words. You know, Lori likes to invent new facts to suit her narrative. That dog doesn't hunt in this game. The mayor also went after Sophia King for not supporting her most recent budget, which had funding for reproductive health services. Um, This is another kind of not entirely clean hit because King used to be the vice chair of Planned Parenthood of Illinois. Um, King also said she she didn't vote against the budget because of the reproductive rights stuff. She voted against the budget because it didn't do enough on public safety. Throughout that forum, were, were there any other people that the mayor or the other eight candidates that were present, uh, uh, any kind of notable uh, moments of contention between individual candidates? Um, J. Ball Green went after the mayor for the city's treatment of Anjanette Young. Um, since the raid on her home, she's the woman involved in that wrongful raid, left naked, trying to tell police that they had the wrong home. Um, Young has since criticized the Lightfoot administration for not aggressively changing their policies on no-knock raids like she was subject to. And J. Mal Green basically said, like, that was the height of disrespect toward a woman. And in my administration, it wouldn't happen like that. What I'll be watching for 
I'll be watching for a bunch of endorsements in this race, but Anjanette Young said she would be active and making an endorsement in the mayoral race. So that was that was one kind of other line of attack. Um, forums are different than debates. Forums are kind of like candidates are meant to address the crowd and not meant to attack each other. It's like supposed to be more informative than like clashy. But some other things that came up, um, Alderman Roderick Sawyer talked about tackling food deserts, uh, more job training for the homeless. Uh, Vallis talked about um, keeping school buildings open on weekends, holidays, and after school, um, creating universal work-study programs. Um, Brandon Johnson went after him a little bit uh, over Vallis's support for school choice. Paul Vallis has said he would be 100% school choice, meaning any family could send their child to any school of their choosing. I would like to hear a lot more about that plan and how it would actually work. We're here with A.D. Quick, politics reporter from the Chicago Tribune, uh, who also on Sunday was at the forum at Lane Tech High School in the 47th Ward. Uh, let's first ID why candidates will be courting voters in the 47th on the near north side. What kind of voter was in the audience on Sunday? So 47 is a fascinating ward. It's a few blocks from where I live. This includes Ravenswood, North Center, West Lakeview, St. Ben's, basically like West Lakeview, east of the river. Um, this okay. is a pretty affluent community, home to a bunch of politicians. Rahm Emanuel lived there. The Bogoyeviches lived there. Lisa Madigan, uh, a ton of mayoral staffers from years past. Like when I walked into the event, I was like, oh, he used to work for Rahm. Oh, he was a labor guy. <laughs> like seeing a lot of familiar faces, basically. Very politically engaged. Consistently one of the highest turnout wards. Um, mostly white audience. Progressive, but not like a socialist bastion, I'd say. Uh, being a more, you know, progressive voting base, as they would even describe themselves, what were some of the issues candidates were asked about? So the first one was about improving clearance rates at the Chicago Police Department and 911 response times. Uh, another one was how these candidates would engage with an elected school board. Uh, another one was about CTA reliability, ghost buses, trains, stuff like that. Um, Another one, which I was fascinated about because I did not expect it to come up, was how to address the city's pension funding and our really low, um, our really low funded levels for all four of our pension funds. And then closing statements. Everyone took turns very orderly and very few direct attacks. It was not, it was not like this women's forum where there was a lot of like direct sniping. When we look at these nine candidates who are here, are any of them are any of their plans sort of wildly different from one another or are they all very, you know, similar in nature, but maybe some of the I's and some of the T's are in separate places? You know, is there anything surprising about how candidates are approaching some of these topics? You're right. It's basically, for the most part, kind of a progressive off. Um, who is the most progressive or who is closest to your brand of progressivism? What, what do we mean when we say that, Queers, when we say progressive? Man, we could talk about this for like three hours, but... I think the two areas um, where I hear progressive and think the most progressive is in terms of willingness to tax, to fund social welfare programs, and de-emphasis on policing. Some folks talking about um, free or subsidized CTA. Um, I would think of those as kind of the most progressive and, yes, things that cost a lot of money um, as some of the most progressive for the things that really expand what government is um, providing to folks. But for the most part, these folks are in agreement about what matters here. Um, and this whole time, we're just going to be talking about a spectrum of who is the most to the left 
And then the most to the right we're going to get are people like Willie Wilson, who are very pro um, pro police. He has mentioned taking the handcuffs off of police multiple times. Um, there are a few a few candidates who are kind of in the middle on the policing issue, saying, you know, we do need to bring the ranks of Chicago police back up to what they once were, but also we should be investing in things like violence prevention. You know, who do you think came across as the most progressive, according to to some of the attendees you talked to? So, you know, after these things, we always kind of sprint to catch the candidates afterwards in scrum. So my impressions are kind of limited to what folks clapped for. And, you know, it was kind of um, tepid applause for most things, in part because the moderator was like, we understand some of you people are here to explicitly support candidates. Please refrain from doing too much yelling out. Um, I was not hearing a ton of enthusiasm re-clapping for Willie Wilson, who I said mentioned um, taking the handcuffs off of police. One moment that stuck out for me was Cam Buckner. He got big applause when he noted that he worked on the recently passed assault weapons ban. And there were a couple other, like, um, folks were pretty riled up about CTA reliability. Like, anytime someone said ghost buses and trains are unacceptable, people were like, yeah. It seems like a few names have floated to the top very naturally, right? You got Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia, who, for all practical purposes, has been, um, you know, running on the strength of a 40-year connection, uh, you know, to the late Gray Harold Washington and the, the progressive work that he did uh, th- throughout the 70s and the 80s. You know, the incumbent Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you know, name recognition matters in a crowded field. Uh, but then we also seen Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson being painted as very much, a you know, you know, a, a rallying candidate from the back securing endorsements. As you've watched these first couple of forms, is the race seeming to shape up around some of these maybe three or, or four names? Or do you think, you know, uh, we, we still could be shocked because when we look back to our last election, 16, 17 percent got you into a runoff. I will never, ever, ever in Chicago politics say never. Um, we do not know what the surprise do campaign instead of du jour, do campaign um, might be. Uh, as I've been saying over and over at this point in the race in 2019, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was polling at like 3%, um, and she ended up on top. Um, that said, the pushback I get when I bring that up to folks in the Chuy Garcia campaign is, hey, at this point in the in the race of 20, in 2019, no one was polling at 26% like Chuy Garcia is. Um, but I will say the, the four names I've heard over and over when I speak with pollsters specifically um, – Lori Chewy, Paul, Willie. So Lori Lightfoot, Chewy Garcia, Paul Vallis, Willie Wilson. Um, those are also the folks who have money. Um, Brandon Johnson uh, also has money, also has the the manpower of uh, SEIU and CTU. That matters a lot, too. Um, I'm hearing less about him in terms of polling. But again, we've got 40-something days left, and a lot can change and a lot a lot can happen, especially when the results, like you said, might be super close. And that's why forums like this in the 47th Ward are really important because, um, as I understand it, in talking to campaigns and flags and pollsters, is um, the voters that these campaigns all really want to go after is kind of lakefront liberals because they turn out big time. And there are so many progressive voter or progressive candidates that they could split over that all of these 
progressive candidates are going to be competing for those votes to kind of up their margins percent by percent. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons that Alderperson Roger Sawyer and, and Willie Wilson attended that GOP forum that was held uh, recently as well. No other candidates went. This represents, you know, 12, 13 percent of the voting block. And so if you you take some of those numbers, every percentage point uh, matters at this point. Um, ABC7 is hosting a debate tomorrow. Uh, what are you going to be watching for? Because you, you've mentioned that these forums have been a little bit more um, what would what, you say? A, l- a little nicer, a, a little more civil. What are you expecting from, from this uh, televised debate? By no means am I rooting for people to be uncivil, um, but it helps us as reporters draw contrasts. Um, so I will be watching for answers on the budget. Um, we, me and uh, Cranes reporter Justin Lawrence and WVEZ's Mariah Wolfel kind of pulled the mayor aside after the last um forum this weekend and said, how do you think you did? And she was like, I did amazing. Um, You can tell because so many of the proposals that these candidates have rolled out are things that I'm already actively working on. Um, And then she went on attack against uh, Congressman Garcia, which tells you that she believes that he is her main challenger at this point. Um, So things I'll be watching for, as always, is who goes after who. Um, is everyone trying to go after the mayor or are certain people going to go after other folks who are competing for that kind of progressive mantle or attacking who they view as the um, center-right candidates? Are they going to go after Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson? Um, Something I was surprised did not come up at the forum that I covered this weekend was the uh, CPS email scandal that took over our week last week. Yeah, we, we covered it in our in our weekly rewind, the mayor's campaign using official government email to reach out to teachers to solicit volunteer opportunities from students, uh, potentially for credit working with the mayor's campaign. Yes. The mayor's press conference responding to that whole kerfuffle basically said this was a, a, a young staffer who was self-initiating finding volunteers and she made a mistake. She's not fired. It was a mistake. We take responsibility for it. Um, but didn't come up at all, which I was surprised about. I always ask you this when we have these conversations. And you always tell me, right, we got to be politically active. We got to be motivated. We got to do our due diligence. But there are nine candidates and a thousand and one different issues. And like you said, about 40 days to go. How do we keep people motivated, keeping them paying attention uh, before we uh, get involved in what, you know, is likely to be part one uh, of a two-part election for us? I would ask you to also talk to your friends about this because it's one of the best ways to let them know that an election is coming is to be like, hey, did you hear about this thing that this candidate did? What do you think about this thing? And if we lived in a perfect world where everything functioned well, um, what would your mayor be doing? Like when I talk to my friends who are not super involved in politics, they're kind of like, at this point, single issue voters about CTA reliability because that's what matters in their lives, getting places on time. Um, so I encourage you to talk to your friends. And then after you talk to your friends and family that live in Chicago, um, email me and the other political reporters in your life. Most of our emails are publicly listed and tell them uh, what you want to know from candidates. That would make my job easier and more interesting. 
and follow AD Quig on Twitter. She has done uh, a great job of putting together a Twitter list of Chicago mayoral candidates so you can follow all the things that they uh, and I believe their campaigns are communicating via social media. Uh, AD Quig, we appreciate you over here at CityCast Chicago covering Cook County government, City Hall, and all things Chicago politics with the Chicago Tribune, uh, one of our favorite voices. Thank you for, for making time for us. Anytime. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The Fraternal Order of Police, the city's biggest police union, they've spent $25,000 so far to try to get candidates running for the newly created police district oversight councils off the ballot. Chicago Public Schools is hosting a virtual meeting tonight at 6 p.m. about the proposed $150 million high school on the near south side. Critics say the project could lead to other school closures in the area, that schools need that money now, and that using CHA land isn't the best option. ComEd asked regulators Tuesday for a record $1.5 billion over four years for electrical grid upgrades. That, by the end, could mean $17 more a month on your bill. And some good news to get you through. You can catch over 50 music acts across four venues as the Tomorrow Never Knows Fest kicks off today and runs through Sunday. You can catch me as she was watching Mother Nature on Friday. Speaking of Shubas, meet us back here tomorrow for our neighborhood guide of Lakeview. In the meantime, in between time, subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. If you've already subscribed, maybe next time you go out for some fresh air, stop the first person you see and tell them to subscribe. And if they tell you to get out their face, maybe take the advice, mind your business, and keep it pushing and find somebody else. All right, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace. I wish we had a reason to sing today, but we don't. So, um, thank you for coming through. 80.